Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alleycast podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And we opened a recap with It Feels Good to Be Champions, but this one's a little bit sweeter because it's amazing to be conference champions. What a feeling, dude. I, I, I felt pretty good throughout the week, but it really does feel different to like actually finish on top. And we get the good end, like the perfect ending, because TCU still gets their deserved playoff spot because they absolutely earned that playoff spot. So we get the perfect ending. They get what they deserve. We get a conference title. Like, yeah, they don't get their perfect uh, season, which like sucks, but I also don't care because we get happy. So, I mean, I don't know what a, what a day to be a K State fan uh, yesterday. Uh, yeah. Just a, I mean, because this doesn't happen very often and it hasn't, but hopefully the tide is turning. Yep, absolutely. So your Kansas State Wildcats are Big Twelve champions of football. Ended up beating TCU in a twenty-one to twenty-eight game on a last-second field goal in overtime. After what? We will now have in K State lore. There will now be two defensive stops, known as the stand. Yeah. And I'm not sure which one is. Well, I know which one is generally more impactful in the moment, but I I'm not sure which one will stand the test of time. No pun intended. But man, <laughs> that that's a funny hypothetical to think of because I honestly think the first one is more impressive because it was like four straight like one yard line stops and this one was like two, two. At, that poor two of the play starts at the one and then one like where like you stop them like at the one yard line even though the play started behind so I do obviously like the one that just happened is significantly more impactful and way more important but I also don't really care because they're both really cool and they're both going to, they're both going to go down in K state lore. Uh, this one may stand the test of time as being the stand just because of the impactfulness, like you said, but that, that's not takeaway from the first one, but also this episode isn't about the 2011 game versus Miami, Florida and very sweaty Al golden. But <laughs> that's like, that's like one of my most endearing memories of that game is just how sweaty of a coach Al golden is like, like literally not like figuratively like he's trying too hard like he was just a very sweaty person yeah. because he was wearing like a suit in miami in early september go figure right yeah but, who, who would have thought you'd be sweating that yeah shocking i'd say but yeah. what a unbelievable stand yesterday for the for the defense i mean they they earned a ton of respect uh in that moment and there's plenty of other stuff to go into with that as well uh People were breaking it down on Twitter, like schematically. And there's a lot to unpack with that that final snap as well, mm-hmm. which I think uh I don't know we can talk about it now. We can talk about it later. I don't know what you want to do. Um, well, since we're already on the topic, we can talk about it now. And the first thing that I want to say is shout out Damon Ilalio for yeah. getting one snap in the game, and it was the fourth down stop. <laughs> Talk about a clutch performance by not only a retro freshman, but a hometown kid. He's a Manhattan, Kansas native. So that that is the stuff of legends uh, <laughs> for the that's that's one for the history books, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, he uh, he logs one snap and just absolutely demolishes the TCU center, does everything perfect for a nose guard on that play. 
Uh, and he's he's the fourth string nose tackle because you've got Eli Huggins ahead of him, who's slide, who's like kind of slid out to be defensive tackle on that play, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Then you have D. Hence. I think he's on the other side of the line. Uh, Uso just got hurt. So Damian Olio has not played, is completely cold, and comes out onto the field, and he does his job perfectly, plugs the hole in the middle, and every everyone did their job perfectly on that fourth down stop. That that was an encapsulation of the, the K-State defense this season, I think, is just how assignment sound they've been for most of the season. And then also there was a lot more than Damian Leo being impressive on that play, especially for young guys. I think we had like four non-regular starter freshmen on the field at that point. We had VJ stepped in. Jake Clifton had a huge role on that play. Uh, obviously, Jacob Parrish, I think, was in. And then the uh, Clifton, I think, may have had the biggest role ultimately in the play beyond Damian Leo because he steps in as a true freshman and just absorbs the fullback, pushes him back, and allows Daniel Green to fill the hole and stop Kendra Miller, one of the best running backs in the Big 12 in the country, and prevents him from getting the less than one yard that he needed. I mean, that is just absolutely huge. And so shout out to Jake Clifton and Damian Lillio in particular for just stepping up and being those guys in that situation because that was not going to be expected of them and going into the game nope. but because of injuries and all other sorts of things because we lost a lot of guys in this game and uh but the difference one of the big differences between this game and the last one is i suppose the last one where it really sunk us and this game we were prepared for it we figured it may happen and we uh, had guys ready in the wings to step up and they just did their jobs and that that was really, really, really impressive and is one of the best storylines, I think, to take away from this game. Yeah, no, I agree. It's we had a lot of people step up. We just in general, we showed a lot of resilience. But something that I want to I don't want to get lost is that this was if you're playing NCAA, this literally is one of those, you know, ESPN classic games. It was an an amazing game. And yep. a big part of being an amazing game is it being a very stressful game. Um, Connor, I don't think you got to the point where you literally couldn't sit down. I was to the point, we were watching it in my living room. You can confirm this. I was standing up and I directly looked at you and I said, if I sit down, I'm going to throw up. So You see, I had the opposite problem where I was so nervous I couldn't stand because I was shaking so much. Like I I could not stand physically. So we had the same experience, just we exhibited it in very different ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh um you and uh other people we were with they were standing and I was just sitting in my chair shaking like visibly <laughs> and like hands like on my face like what a nerve-wracking experience that pretty much the entire game uh we watched the first half in aggieville and then we went back uh for the second half to your apartment and it that was probably a better viewing experience i would have liked to have gotten into like tanners or something but they completely mishandled their game day experience which that's a whole separate issue i I won't dog on them too much for they tried and uh but that was one of the most nerve-wracking experiences i've ever had as a k-state fan and what tells me 
that this team is truly legit is that a lot of K-State teams of old get to the big stage and just can't finish, can't convert, and get outclassed. This is one of the very few times in recent memory that K-State's found its way to that big stage and has capitalized and has succeeded in spite of errors. Because there were the Brooks muff punt could have cost us the game. And allowing that Heisman moment to Duggan could have cost us the game. But we still found a way, which a lot of K-State teams in the past probably wouldn't have done. And that that just speaks volumes, I think, about Chris Kleiman and the culture he's built. I, I sometimes don't love saying culture because it's such a buzzword, but yeah. I do think it's applicable in this situation just because especially after 2020 when the culture was really, really, really bad. So they, this team has come a long, long way because Kleiman basically had to do a second rebuild <laughs> like after the 2020 season. And this team has come a long way in just two short years. So, and and it's only up from here, really, I think. Uh, well, my, I don't want to get into next year yet, but just, man, what a, what a game. All the emotion is now rushing back because it's been about 24 hours now since the game, about, about. A, time, a time of recording. So I'm yeah, sorry to date it. I don't care, but <laughs> everyone it, knows we record yeah. day after. Yeah, it is what it is. It, not a huge deal, but I don't know. Some, Multiple legendary moments in this game that will go down. They'll, they'll be in every highlight video forever now. Like, uh, there, Deuce Vaughn had his uh, Darren Sproul screen moment. Uh, it wasn't like <laughs> the same context, like in terms of like a blowout or anything, like really seal the game, but it was a huge play in open space and you made a guy look silly. Like, he had that. Will Howard threaded the needle again on that touchdown pass to RJ Garcia. I like, was a great catch, but really going back and watching it, fantastic throw. Felix yeah. had the sack to cement his status as defensive player of the year. I mean, just I don't know. There, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few right now. The Austin Moore like slapped the ball to Duggan's hands, which that rule has been misinterpreted by everybody on Twitter who's saying that it should have been an incomplete pass. Like, like the ball has to leave the quarterback's hands, so that should have been a safety. And the game would have been done in regulation, but I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. We won. So I will say very interesting game from the referee standpoint. They did finally call a holding, at least. Wasn't the right one, but they did call it. Wrong guy. Still call it. (laughs) Yeah. But what a what a game. Uh just that's gonna be one for the history books. Uh the last two Big 12 championships really have been unbelievable. Uh, just yeah, from a neutral viewer standpoint, this one was great too. Down to inches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, it is unbelievable how the last two games have come down to literal inches. And uh, that that's just outstanding. Uh, speaks volumes to the quality of the Big 12 conference without Oklahoma and Texas because they haven't been either the last two games and they've been probably the two best championship games. So, man, I, I don't know. I, I guess we should just get into the general game day recap now because i'm starting to ramble what well, we we covered a we covered a lot of it the the i guess the last three are, are really the the ones we haven't covered yet the first one is the difference between this game and the last we could go on you know a, a long little rant like going over everything we said that's no <laughs> i don't want to but the the main difference between this game and the last was we tackled much 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 better and this is something that you pointed out right before we were recording and it's true that was the primary difference 
we were able to tackle this game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was the probably single biggest difference in terms of actual gameplay was uh, that, that we did tackle really well in this game. Uh, Daniel Green had a good day. Obviously, there's still missed tackles because that, that happens. It's football. But we tackled very poorly against TCU. And in all of our losses this year, Sands Tulane, which was just an offensive collapse. Uh, so I guess TCU and Texas, uh, we tackled really poorly. Those were probably our two worst tackling performances of the year. And then in this one, we do really a great job uh, with uh, with tackling and containing for the most part. Uh, I mean, yeah, we TCU has a great offense. We knew they were going to get theirs. And we still were able to stand up for the most part and do a really good job tackling a, a very athletic and dangerous team and not give up too many explosive plays. They still have plenty of explosive plays. But we were able to contain it at least a little bit, and we tackled really well. So that 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 was a big, big difference, I think, in this game. Yeah, absolutely was. And uh, before we go on to the last point, uh, we have to we have to make this point because you know giving giving respect to opponent to an opponent, I think, is is very important. I we both have all the respect in the world for specifically Max Duggan because I. I know the term warrior, it's almost like the word culture. It gets thrown around a lot and it's kind of lost all meaning. But Duggan really did leave it all out on the field. And you, you called it. I He did have his Heisman moment. I don't think he's pulling it away from Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams probably walks away with it. But Duggan has definitely earned himself in the conversation for probably being a very strong runner up. And a lot of that has to be with how well he played this game and i think the the post-game press conference was was very telling because this game meant a lot to him so all the respect in the world to max duggan for his performance yeah absolutely he's completely earned it because he really if you want to look at it objectively had an okay game up until the final drive and just took over and that that is kind of the heisman moment deal is like just taking over a game and just saying fine i'll do it myself and just doing it and so he yeah he did have uh, a few mistakes uh like the the pick to julius brents and the other should have been picked to julius brents but brents dropped it uh so he he definitely had some pretty significant turn- turnover worthy throws and a few misfires but then he just put the team on his back on the final drive like i think he had like 80 rushing yards on that or 95 rushing yards on that last drive he probably actually ran like 300 yards or something like with how much he was running around yeah, maybe, but maybe he, need some oxygen he did that man was exhausted so yeah we don't normally take time to uh shout out an opponent and an opposing player because sometimes i guess it can kind of feel like kicking a man while he's down you know like but like, it's very easy to like give credit to an opponent after you win but uh he 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 did really earn uh, the respect i think of the k-state fan base and hopefully of all of college football because that was a really great performance by max duggan and so a hat tip to him and hopefully he'll be in new york for the heisman ceremony uh when the time comes will he win we'll see like you said it'll probably be caleb williams and caleb williams did earn it Uh, he had a fantastic year but yeah great 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 game for max duggan which makes it all the more impressive that this defense was able to really contain him for most of the game so which we'll talk about that a little bit later but yep then finally, 
Legatron has ice in his veins. He kicked the game-winning field goal, and man came out cheesing. Man was laughing coming out for the, the game-winning field goal. I don't think I have ever in my life seen a kicker in a high-pressure situation come out just laughing. <laughs> that makes me genuinely uncomfortable how unfazed he was by the moment. He may like, not feel emotion. He he may be a psychopath. Like like no offense, Ty, but like like you might just not feel normal human emotions after seeing that. Like he, uh, it, it was just absolutely hilarious, honestly. And that that should have been the tell in the moment that he was going to make the field goal. But if anything, made me more uncomfortable because I was like, Ty, this is kind of a it's kind of important, man. Like, like you should like take this a little seriously. But I think he was in his own way, and yeah, he, I mean, just a that, that's going to be a, a screenshot that lives in in infamy. K State football uh, tweeted it uh, fairly uh, today, the day of recording. Uh, it's it's a list of scariest athletes as Mass LeBron, Mahomes with thirteen seconds, Revenge Ronaldo, and Zentner smiling in OT. <laughs> Which honestly, that would if I was a, a field goal block unit, I wouldn't even try. <laughs> if I saw that coming, I'd I just walk off the field, like hang my head, say we'll, we'll get him next year. <laughs> get him next year. We yeah. this man came out cheesing. He's yeah. laughing at us. There's yeah. nothing we can do, man. Yeah, Chris Kleiman in his post game presser said Ty Zentner has been maybe the most important player on the team the last uh, few weeks. That might be a little bit of hyperbole, but yeah. it's not that far from the truth, honestly. Because Ty Zentner has been absolutely clutch these uh, the, since he took over uh, kicking duties. So uh, hopefully, as a COVID year available, I'd love to have him back until we can get Nico Gramatica up in here to start kicking like seventy yard bombs or something. But yeah, shout out to Ty Zentner for uh bringing home the the dub in overtime uh what a what a great kick uh, and a, a way to be unnervingly calm in such yeah. a high high leverage situation speaking of unnervingly calm this is something i didn't put on the outline but something that i mentioned while we were watching the game Kleiman was chilling. Kleiman <laughs> does not like, look nervous at all. Like, not I for one second. Here, like, I guess he's been in a situation like this before. Yeah. But man looked like he was thinking about like a McDonald's order that he was going to have later that night. He's like, I wonder what yeah, maybe, after dinner. <laughs> maybe he was thinking about like what booze to like, like <laughs> down after the game or something like Bud Light, Natty. Like Kleiman <laughs> seems like a Bud Light guy. <laughs> like, I go to Iowa boy. But I... No, yeah, Kleiman was ice cold uh, for most of the game, really, until the very end. Then he let out all of his emotions. He, he kind of yelled at Holly Rowe, like not like in a mean way, but yeah. like he was just very excited. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, yeah, he he had a a bit more to say than usual, which go figure. You know, he's pretty happy, uh, <laughs> put a lot of work into this, and uh, yeah, he. But throughout the game, he he really did seem cool as a cucumber. He didn't really give off any nerves at all. So shout out to Chris Kleiman for kind of setting the tone, I guess, in that regard, because the team never really looked nervous either. This was uh, the team looked like they truly belonged and like the stage was not too big for them. So big shout out to Kleiman for setting that tone uh, and the team for following. Yep. Now we can go in to the stats. I have you for the offensive side of the ball. 
Starting off with the passing stats, Will Howard, he was 18 for 32, 199 yards, two touchdowns, long of 40, sacked three times. Uh, you know, that's a he did exactly what he did needed to do, and he did it very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really good stat line uh, for the most part. A few near misses, like the Cade Warner breaking free. Both quarterbacks had like some near misses that probably would have been touchdowns. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, we we are a, a few inches away from this being a larger margin of victory in regulation uh, for K State. So, yeah, great, great performance though for Will Howard. Continues to be nails. The stats don't pop off the sheet, but he really had a great game. He also had uh, eight rushing attempts with a net of negative three, but also scored a touchdown. But in terms of other rushing stats, Deuce was 26 for 130, uh, for 130, one touchdown and one soul reaped at AT&T Stadium. Absolute shame. It really could have happened to anybody. <laughs> and it just happened to be that guy. I, I don't even remember what number he was, but yeah, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, finishes his Big 12 career, maybe, hope, hopefully not, but probably, not, but probably. on a high note. Uh, and he gets over uh, 1,400 yards on the year as well, 1,425. So that marks a new career best uh, for Deuce Vaughn in terms of uh, yardage. He eclipses his total from last year by 21 yards. So good for him. Uh, yeah, really, really nice day for, for Deuce. Yep. Leak was two for 48 on you know, obviously two carries. DJ Giddens had the the weekly I am not going down. You cannot stop me runs. He was six for 29. It didn't get tackled for loss. Long of eight. A lot of it was just, you know, he refuses to go down. Then Philip Brooks, one for four on a jet sweep. And receiving Brooks, we'll talk about you in a minute. Well, <laughs> Went six for 48, long of 15. Malik had one really big catch off a really amazing throw by Will on a deep corner. Ben Sennett, two for 32 and one boxing championship because he simply ignored yeah. the opponent. And one of those catches was almost a second touchdown, but it was a, it was a literal shoestring tackle by a DB. And yeah. Ben knew it. So uh, that would have been an easy walk-in TD for him. But still another really good day for Ben. Yep. Deuce was two for 30. Good RJ, good job. RJ Garcia was two for 27 with an amazing touchdown snag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic catch and a really, really great throw as well. Uh, Will in the like 25 yard line ish area, uh, he put a lot of trust in his receivers. Uh, Deuce had that big catch near the goal line, like the two where he, uh, Will ran it in on the next play. And then RJ had that big catch in the end zone out of quads, uh, which that was a really good play call because Phil was open for a touchdown as well on that. So <laughs> we're both quads, quads, quads. <laughs> I, I I love me some quads. Uh, I I especially love quad bunch quads. <laughs> I just think it's just such a just a funny looking formation, but it uh, it looked uh, it worked really well. Uh, so uh, really nice stuff there. Yeah. And the final receiver that got any stats was Cade Warner. He was five for 22. I, man, that catch was so close though. It was a really amazing effort, but I can understand not coming down with it. Yeah. I uh, granted some of that is, uh, um, we had an offensive lineman get pushed back on the play. So will couldn't fully step into that throw. If will's fully able to step into that throw, it's a touchdown. So it, I, I'm not too upset with Cade for dropping that, especially because he 
very, very nearly caught it. So it is what it is. Uh, I don't hold that against him. Um, but on a few uh, receiving statistics milestones, uh, Malik crosses 700 yards uh, on his one catch. Uh, so 47 catches, 719 yards on the year for him. That's the best receiving season since probably Byron Pringle in 2017, I think. Uh, Phil crossed 40 receptions and 500 yards. Uh, ben Sinnott, uh, one yard shy, 400. Cade Warner also crossed 40 catches and 400 yards on the day. And then RJ gets his first touchdown. Uh, seven catches or 70 yards on the year for him. Uh, and then Deuce... Uh, didn't really cross any big milestones. He's doing okay. And he's 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 deuce. Good job, Deuce, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, some some really nice performances there. And then Will uh crossed fourteen hundred yards. Uh and then also got his fifteenth touchdown uh of the season through the air. Uh one of the better K State passing seasons in a while in terms of touchdowns. Uh yardage um would definitely be a lot higher if he'd been starting the whole year. Uh but yeah. I'm not going to complain at all about that. So uh, some just wanted to note some milestones on the year for uh, statistics because we were having some of the statistically better seasons in a long time uh, for uh, some of the receivers and whatnot. Yep. Now you have defensive stats. Yep. So Daniel Green led the way with 10 tackles, uh, played a really nice game, obviously had the big final stop at the goal line in the stand. Uh, so... What a way to go for Daniel Green. Uh, Drake Cheatham very quietly had nine tackles in this game. I, I did not notice that he had that many tackles, so good for you, Drake. Uh, Josh Hayes had five tackles in this game. Felix had five tackles and a sack, as well as a uh, QB hurry. Uh, Jacob Parrish had four tackles and a pass breakup. He was thrust into action after Echo Boydo got injured, and he had a really great day. Uh I'm filling in the future of the corner room is bright. That was a big concern coming into the year and still kind of is, but he, uh, he really did a good job. Uh, so he, he has stepped up as a true freshman and is going to be really good. VJ Payne had probably his best day. I'd say, uh, he had four tackles. I, I was really impressed, uh, with him. He blew up Tay Barber on a reception at one point. Uh, Julius Brenz had three tackles, had a very off, uh, um, he had he had some great moments and some not so great moments, uh, which that's just by virtue of covering the best receiver in the country. Uh, he had a forced fumble of Quentin Johnston, picked off Max Duggan when defending Quentin Johnston, had a pass breakup while defending Quentin Johnston, uh, but then also got burned a few times. Uh, and all one of the times he got burned, he forced the fumble. So there's that. I, I'd call that a net neutral. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, he also had a few pass interferences. Um, so. It was it was a hit and miss day uh, for Julius Brents. So I, I I'd say Johnston probably won the matchup between the, which I don't want to step on the toes of stuff for later. But yeah. uh, Julius still got his and also dropped another interception, which absolutely should have been his. Uh, Khalid Duke had three tackles on the day and a QB hurry. Uh, Austin Moore had three tackles, a tackle for loss, a fumble recovery, a pass breakup, and should have had a forced fumble uh, safety. safety. But there was a misinterpretation of the rules by uh, the officials. Um, part of it is that it's a little bit confusingly worded, I think, because half of Twitter is reading it wrong as well, which, to be fair, I 
that's not shocking, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, but Austin Moore had a a really nice performance on the field. Uh, had that big play, and then had the fumble recovery, of course, down the field. So that shows he wasn't giving up on the play. Uh, then also uh, got like a 15 second like solo shot from the um, broadcast, showing off how handsome he is. I guess <laughs> that uh, Eli Huggins had three tackles um, quietly again. Does great things for this K State defense. Uh, Shane Porter had two tackles. Seth Porter also had two tackles. So the Porter brothers had the exact same stat line defensively. Uh, Jake Clifton had two tackles as a true freshman and had a massive uh, run fill on the final play of the uh, game for TCU's offense. Zentner made a tackle at some point. I do not remember that happening. Echo had a tackle and a pass breakup. Matthew Mashmeyer had a tackle. Desmond Purnell had a tackle. Keenan Garber had a tackle. And... You know what? Good for Keenan. He has stepped up. Uh, yeah. PFF incorrectly logged his snaps as Jairus uh, Kennedy. Uh, to be fair, we also thought it was Jairus Kennedy. Yeah. And uh, because it's a different number, because he is normally number one, but he got switched to 35. Uh, that is Keenan Garber. And uh, he he really played a really nice game. Uh, he can He's a tell right now because he can only yeah. play man. But <laughs> he really did well and i i was thoroughly impressed especially given he has been a cornerback for all of two and a half weeks so a uh, shout out keenan garver for holding your own uh, against a really talented uh skill position unit so yeah. good for you keenan good job honestly keenan. he may like he may end up like coming out of absolutely nowhere to be like a really solid corner which only adds to our cornerback room problems. yeah we're gonna lose people in the corner room which makes me so sad especially yeah because of that because like the we already are gonna have issues getting good guys on the field so i i'm definitely worried about garber uh seeing the field uh brendan my had a quiet day in terms of stats and you only had one tackle but he did have two qb hurries uh then nick allen had a tackle uh, but that does it for the uh, defensive stats, uh, at least the specific defensive stats. Ty Zentner did punt the ball seven times, averaged 45.6, four punts inside the 20, just one touchback, two over 50 yards. So really, really good day uh, for Ty Zentner. The punting department obviously made a game-winning field goal uh, and had four extra points. So that does it for the uh, defensive statistics, I believe. Uh, anybody in particular that you wanted to speak about that we haven't gotten to not really no i i feel like we've we've pretty well covered anyone that we we should bless you that we should have covered Thank you. <laughs> um, uh but now we can move into the game day grade segment where we take a look at every single position group including coordinators giving them a grade from a plus to f F meaning they near single-handedly lost us the game, and A plus meaning they near single-handedly won us the game or played a near perfect game. Starting off with the quarterback room, and like we said earlier, Will had a really, really good game. Did he have a perfect game? No. Like there were a couple of throws that he probably should have had, probably could have had if he was able to step into it a little more. His accuracy was a little more general than we're used to as opposed to more recently, he's been a remarkably accurate passer. But I ended up giving him an A-. And again, it was just the general accuracy that kind of kept that from going a little bit higher. If he completed one more of the the deeper intermediate balls, I feel like he would have slid up to an A. And if he slid up to two, 
he likely would have gotten an A plus for me. But overall, really great three touchdown performance from Will. I gave him an A uh, just because uh, the one of those throws that he couldn't make was just because an offensive lineman got in the way. Uh, and he just wasn't able to step into it because he he simply did not have room to do so. Uh, and I, th- I still thought that he had a really great day, all things considered. Uh, PFF says he didn't have any turnover-worthy throws. Uh, I think he might have had one over the middle to Ben Sennett mm-hmm. that could have been intercepted. I, I'm willing to let that lie, the PFF is. Uh, and then uh, he obviously had the rushing touchdown. Uh, Will looked really comfortable. Uh, for this entire game, I felt like. Uh, so he he deserves a lot of credit for this victory. Had some fantastic throws as well um, at various points throughout the game. Uh, did get sacked three times, um, but TCU's defense just had a a good scheme to get pressure. Um, like there was a one of the pressures I know it's just they just outnumbered, so there there wasn't much to do uh, from Will's perspective. But yeah, uh, Will gets an A from me. Yep. Next up is running backs, A+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. A+, plus for me as well. I don't, I don't feel like we need to say much. <laughs> no. The only thing that needs to be said or sent is an apology letter to that TCU defensive back because that guy is going to be uh, K-State meme material for quite a while, and it's a shame. Maybe eternity. <laughs> Maybe eternity. Could happen any, it could happen to anybody, honestly. Just had to be him. Memes live forever. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is receivers. And this was the the topic of conversation between Connor and I before the episode. Because I did, full disclosure, I did my initial rankings. Pretty much all of them changed. I did my initial rankings right after the game. And I was still a little bit angry. I was still a little bit upset <laughs> for over the muff punt. And then I looked at the stats and I'm like, you know what? The receivers had a really good day against a team that really enjoyed that was playing them tight the entire time. They had a really, really good day. You know, if Malik doesn't go down, I feel like Malik probably has potential to go over 100 this game. That's how well he was playing. And he almost did all purpose. But even though Phil had the muff punt, he, you know, was the leading receiver in terms of yards. Keenan, not Keenan Garber, RJ Garcia had that amazing catch. I ended up giving them an A minus. And again, it was another case where if one big play, and again, the difference, the difference 24 hours makes in an evaluation. Uh, Yeah, I ended up giving them an A minus. I gave the receivers an A minus as well. Uh, Yeah, Malik goes out pretty early in this one. Uh, He is going to be available for the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. Uh, which that is confirmed now. Uh, he uh, had that big catch on a really, really good throw from Will Howard in the in the first quarter to set up our first touchdown. Uh, and then uh, uh, Phil also had a, a really nice day to uh, Sands the Muff Pond. He had six catches for 48 yards. Uh, Cade did have the uh, acrobatic drop, which it was vaguely a drop. It was more just a lack of control and it's hard to really hold that against him um but the other receivers had a really good day uh catching the ball malik had uh his really great run uh but they also quietly uh were really really good blocking downfield um and the run game and for other receivers on pass plays 
Uh, so they they get some credit there, at least from what I was watching. It seemed like they did a really good job locking downfield. Uh, so they 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 deserve some credit uh, for that. And uh, I, they they've really come around uh, most of the season. Uh, Malik, I felt really bad for uh, because he he was very emotional. They wasn't able to finish the game, but hopefully he's able to show out uh, against Bama. Uh, and uh, put on a performance, uh, really uh, showcases talent. But uh, A minus for me for the receivers. You heard it here first. Malik going for two hundred plus against Mama. I would allow it. I <laughs> let him do that immediately. Yeah. Uh, don't let me stop you, Malik. <laughs> Next up is Titans fullbacks. They had another really solid performance, including in the blocking game. Ben Sinnott had the two catches, the one touchdown, and the the one. <laughs> welterweight not welterweight he's probably a probably a heavyweight yeah <laughs> heavyweight championship i ended up just giving them an a a plus again it would have it would have come down to one more big play but that's splitting hairs to get an a yeah i gave him an a uh they blocked pretty well um wheeler was quiet again but he's been pretty situational this year anyways um but yeah senate was a shoestring tackle away from a second touchdown uh so is what it is um, but yeah, Benson had a nice day receiving, um, and all around a solid day. Christian Moore got a few snaps, uh, blocking, uh, and did solid. Um, but yeah, an A for the tight ends and fullbacks. Next up is offensive line. And for as, you know, okay, the performance was against TCU the first time they, they showed a lot of marked improvement, even when KT went down and, BB had to flex out to left tackle again and Delforge. Delforge blocked really well on the snaps he was in, but I ended up giving them an A minus. There were a couple of times that they they got a little bit burnt in pass protection and it's right up the middle. You know, that may be spoiling exactly who it was, but if there's one thing that a quarterback hates more than anything on this earth, it is pressure right up the middle that you can't escape from. Because if they give up a pressure from a tackle, normally there's an escape route. But if it's right up the middle, uh, uh-uh, he's in your app, he's in your lap, and you can't throw. But I ended up giving them an A minus. They were good in the run blocking game. Generally, pretty solid in the passing game. Yeah, I gave them an A because really pass blocking wise, other than when they were blitzed, they did a pretty good job, uh, especially. Uh, in the first half and later in the game, um, I, I thought that they looked really good pass blocking. Run blocking was also pretty consistent as well. Um, they again, we continued our our status of pretty much feast or famine on the outside runs, uh, which Malik got forty on the one carry. Uh, Deuce had a touchdown on that forty-four yard run, but a few other times we were tackled for losses and just weren't able to get anything to the outside. So we continue that. Uh, at this point, it is what it is. I, I'm not going to really just count. I'm not going to count like that against the offensive line at this point because uh, we just either get it or we don't. And but yeah, they they really did do a good job on this game. The three sacks uh, is a bit of a blemish, um, but some of those are just not really anything the offensive line can do. Uh, so they get an A. Yep. Now we move to the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive line. I ended up giving them an A. And it's not just because I'm biased for that last that last stop. That's a big reason why. But it they get an actually no no I just thought about it. They get an A plus for with the addition of that last stop. <laughs> but 
that I gave them an A plus because they were consistently generating pressure, even through getting held. We know who we're talking about, but they, it it seemed the game plan. It was something that we kind of picked up on in the first episode was that we were going to attack Andrew Coker. We attacked Andrew Coker and generally we got pretty good pressure. I think we only sacked Duggan once technically, but we were in his face. And even when he was getting the ball out, we were very close. He got detonated a few times. And I think that's why it was became such a warrior performance because man refused to not step into his throats, which that's amazing for a quarterback shame for his rib cage though. <laughs> yeah. We got 12 total pressures, uh, eight hurries, three hits uh, and a sack. Yeah. So we were in his face, in his lap all night. I ended up giving the D line an a plus because they also played really well in the running game throughout. Yeah. I gave them an a, uh, they they did do a really good job uh, against Kendra Miller. Um, he had he still got his. Uh, I mean, because he's he's Kendra Miller. There's not a, a ton that you can do, but uh, he only got uh, 82 yards, averaged 4.8 per carry. He had only one carry of more than 20 yards, uh, so really solid job there. Uh, and he did have Kendra did have two catches, but only got one yard as well. Um, and then I also remember I think a screen pass that we covered pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, but. Yeah, the defensive line was really impressive. And obviously that uh, last stand uh, at the goal line uh, with uh, um, losing Uso in the middle and having to go to Damian Olio, uh, really a, a inspiring uh, defense uh, at the end by uh, the defensive line. So they they get a ton of credit for that in the game. Eh? Yeah. Next up are the linebackers. They were sent on a lot of blitzes. And uh, the only reason they're not getting an A-plus for me, and again, this was another on-the-fly audible, I ended up giving them an A. main reason they didn't get an A-plus is it has nothing to do with Austin Moore getting gypped from the safety. That has nothing to do with it. It's just that a couple of times I think that they were taking pretty poor rush angles, which left a lot of room for Duggan to leave on that last drive. I know they were blitzing, and I know they're likely told where to blitz, But as a linebacker, you really have to have a feel for trying to seal off a lane even while you're blitzing. The one thing that comes to mind is Daniel Green spinning off of the block from Kendra Miller and then just leaving that outside lane wide open for Duggan to run for like 40 yards. I know that's where he was likely told the blitz from, but same time, you have to have that feel for where he's going to redirect. But outside of them not being the greatest blitzers. I gave them an A because they had a really great performance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a a good grade because that's exactly what I gave them. I gave them an A and uh, a a lot of it is just because, yeah, if uh, Daniel Green had been able to get it, get home at the end, instead of giving up that 40 yard uh, run, they do probably get an A plus. And that was a little bit frustrating that they lost contain on that last drive, but really beyond that, uh, the linebackers were really, really good uh, in this game because Max Duggan got like, I think it was, oh, I forget exactly what they said, but they, they said he got like 95 rushing yards on that last drive, I think, because, uh, after penalties and everything. And Duggan had 110 on the game. So <laughs> that that means that we contained him really well for a majority of the game. But Duggan went Heisman mode there at the end. And yeah. we, um, now there's only so much you can do uh, when a, a guy just takes over the game. Um, and the linebackers, uh, Daniel Green, Austin Moore, were both really good. But then uh, Jacob, or not Jacob, uh, Jake Clifton uh, was really, really good 
uh, filling in a little bit down the stretch just to uh, I'm bringing another body and taking up that uh, fullback block. Obviously, uh, we, we've talked about that a lot already, but it really does deserve to be underscored that that was just so important to how the game went. Uh, so big shout out to Jay Clifton there. Uh, and then uh, other fullback or other uh, linebackers as well. So really, really, really good stuff from the linebackers in this game. Yep. Last position room is the defensive backs. Straight up gave them an A minus, and the main reason why is like, the the times Julius got toasted and the one really big missed opportunity from Julius, which I know Quentin Johnston is one of, if not the best receivers in the country. I still think Marvin Harrison Jr. has a little bit of an edge because I think he's a tiny bit more complete which is insane because he's like he's either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman that shouldn't be allowed i'm pretty i'm i'm 98 sure someone is usering ohio state and just upped his overall because that's the only way that's possible <laughs> but db's getting a minus you know jacob Parrish played really well keenan garber played really well never thought i would have you know said that that quickly but Again, safeties were fine. VJ was good. Drake Cheatham magically spawned towards plays again. Josh Hayes played pretty well. It really is just the amount of big plays that were surrendered to Quentin Johnston. And those were plays that we kind of more or less eliminated because no one else outside of Quentin Johnston had over 30 yards receiving. But uh, A- minus because those, those plays to Johnston were really, really impactful and important. Yeah, I gave him an A minus two. Uh, yeah, I do lose Echo early in this one, and he was playing uh, decently. Um, and it, it was uh, unfortunate to to lose him. Um, and then um, Josh Hayes. Um, I don't recall much issue with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be might be wrong. Might be forgetting something. But I think he got he tapped. Solid. Yeah, all that. Yeah, but that's not his fault. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> like I, I, I feel a bit. We're not elaborating on that. We just know we feel really bad for Josh Hayes and the. The injury that that he got for a couple plays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then um, Keenan Garber obviously said he uh, stepped up and played really well, uh, unexpectedly. Um, Jacob Harris was really good. Julius Brent, I think, really did about all he could against um, uh, Quentin Johnston. Uh, and uh, understanding that, I uh, give them an A minus just because he did miss a few opportunities to do more. And there's a few times that he definitely could have won a rep. Uh, but just kind of fumbles it at the very end. Um, but then also did hold his own a few times as well. Uh, just kind of depended. But also, the it is worth noting that this defensive back room, uh, when you take away Quentin Johnston, uh, the next best receiver, Quentin Johnston had four catches for 139 yards. After that, the best uh, was 28 yards. So the for players not named Quentin Johnston, uh, TCU got completely shut down. Uh, so uh, that's worth noting. Because last time... Uh, Darius Davis had that long catch, and there were a few other times uh, that case it was burned by a few other guys as well, like Jared Wiley. Um, but this time he contained everybody that is not a like literal alien, so yeah. w- w- which is commendable. Uh, so yeah, and Jake Drake Cheatham quietly had a really good game as well, uh, which I, I I struggle to remember any plays. Uh, from Drake Treat from Drake Cheatham, which is really unfortunate. And that's not meant as a slight. That just means he was quietly really good. Yeah. But an A minus for defensive backs for me. Yep. Next up is Colin Klein. I ended up giving him just a flat A because there were a couple of times that I thought his play calling was a tiny bit questionable. 
And the main one that comes to mind is that fourth and short where the B gap was wide open. And not only did we have Deuce in on like a fourth and one, which that should be DJ Giddens territory. We either didn't call a play to take advantage of the B gap or Will didn't reverse it, which both are equally likely, but still the not having DJ in on, on a fourth and short, that that's not a great look. And also a couple of times the red zone play calling was, it was fine, but that's kind of been the one area that I feel like is where the most legitimate criticism has been lobbied is in his red zone play calling, which first year offensive coordinator, if you're going to pick something, that's one of them that may happen, but all in all, it was a pretty generally great performance from Colin Klein. I gave him an A. I gave him an A plus. Uh, I, 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 I did think of the, uh, um, time that they had Deuce Vaughn in when it definitely should have been DJ Giddens. But then you also have to think about uh, the next time we were in that situation, we did adjust and go to DJ and we got the first down. Uh, so that was a uh, a good realization uh, by Colin Klein. Uh, I, I really liked uh, um, the um, decision to get RJ involved um, because we could have just decided to focus exclusively on Phil and Cade after Malik went down and just have RJ out there. It's like basically just another warm body. You're like, go out of 21 uh, personnel or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we instead um, did utilize RJ. Uh, and I, I like going to him in the red zone because uh, that is definitely uh, not something DC would see coming. I don't think considering he had uh, five catches on the year going to the game. Um, but Klein all around called a really good day, um, adjusted when needed. And, uh, uh, ultimately uh, drew up a really good game plan and uh, was able to help lead us to a victory. Yep. Next up is Joe Klanderman. And there are two big issues that kept him from an A. He got A minus for me. So don't I, it, there. This is a flat at minimum A minus performance day. Two main things I took issue with. Um, he got weirdly aggressive on the last drive and just didn't spy Max Duggan even after the timeout. That went in. Yeah, the timeout was in the fourth to slow him down. Or was that the, the first half? Um, That I don't remember, actually. Either way, he, he didn't adjust to having a spy on Duggan. That already isn't great, especially in that last drive when he was just running all over us. And also a lot of the a lot of the pl- the problems that come with Julius getting getting toasted was, well, he was one on one. And we just weren't giving him a whole lot of help. And I feel like that is a massive flaw. And the fact that he only got 139 yards, I feel like that's a minor miracle considering how many times you were putting him on flat one-on-ones. And I know you have to trust your number one corner to win one-on-ones. At the exact same time, none of their other receivers were posing that big of a threat to us in their other one-on-ones. So why not give a little extra help to the most dominant player on the field? Those two were really, really questionable. But other than that, he was very good mixing up coverages, mixing up blitz designs, even deploying a little bit more of Austin Moore on the line in a bear front. I don't think we've seen that much this year or if at all. But, you know, him just mixing it up. It's still a good performance, but it's not his normal, amazing performance. It's an A minus. I went with an A plus here mainly uh, because I I feel like Quentin Johnson did get his 
Um, but I understand why they didn't overhelp with the safeties because one of the few times I feel like that we did do that, uh, Max Duggan misses. I think it was Tay Barber for what would have probably been a touchdown after splitting the safeties. Um, and then also, really, we the defense only allowed one sustained or two sustained touchdown drives in this entire game. With and it was the first drive of the game and the last drive in regulation for TCU that wasn't the kneel down. So it was uh, be in between that. Uh, from first quarter through fourth quarter, they had a field goal. They had a missed field goal, punt, 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 fumble, field goal, punt, punt, short field touchdown after the muff punt, uh, through a pick, field goal. And that is absolutely fantastic. And for the second episode in a row, the internet machine decided to go to Tampa, Florida, I guess. But you were talking about the the drive sequencing and how well it generally went for us. Yeah, uh, it, it was a really stressful game, obviously, but the defense really did do a fantastic job uh, for the most part. Um, it was really just those uh, the first and the last drive uh, that really caused issues for us. Um, there were a few other occasions where they did have a good drive, uh, but one they threw pick in the end zone, another they uh, settled for a field goal. Um, but one of their touchdown drives was just the uh, muff punt drive, pretty much. Uh, so, I mean, the defense really did do uh, a really, really good job when you just look at the drive chart uh, like that. Of course, TCU does still get 469 yards of offense, average 6.4 play. Um, but again, a lot of that comes on the final drive uh, where Max Duggan just ascended to a different plane of existence and became something more than human. Uh, but the, the defense really did do a, a good job containing a very explosive offense uh, for the most part. Uh, so they, they do deserve a lot of credit for that. And they also did pick up that extra possession uh, from the, uh, the muff punt. Uh, so then they ultimately do finish with uh, one more possession than K-State. So they did have more opportunities uh, to put up additional yardage. Uh, so there is that. I was definitely worried after the first drive because that was just a monster drive uh, yeah. from 13 plays, 92 yards, uh, almost seven minutes. I, I was not excited for the rest of the game after that. But nope. uh, we were able to hold them for the most part after that. Uh, but yeah, that gives Klanderman an A plus on the day. Uh, especially uh, with how we performed at the goal line. Uh, that, that takes a lot of guts and a lot of preparation for those sort of situations. So Landerman gets a, gets, gets a lot of credit there. Yeah. Now, before we go into MVPs, we can talk about the admittedly very few questions that we had pregame. Uh, first one we already answered, jo- Julius versus Johnston. Johnston won. Yeah. Julius then- got a few, but Johnston wins the day. Yeah, definitely. Next up is Kendra Miller. Can we contain him after his torrid pace recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. He didn't really do a ton. Uh, he still had a few decent plays. Uh, like he had a touchdown. He had a 21-yard run. But for the most part, he was fairly contained, especially given his standards, I'd say. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you have the next two questions since I ganked yeah. the, last, the first two. Oh, that's fine. 
Yeah. Uh, second half game, K-State's defensive adjustments versus TCU's offensive adjustments. Um, who wins there? Honestly, the K-State defense. Yeah, not much for me to, for me to say there. I mean, I I think the 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 most pessimistic you could be is that it's a push, but I am the eternal optimist, also known as I'm still riding the high of the victory. So I'm going to say the defense. Yeah, I mean, you can argue that the defense gave up uh, uh, 18 in the uh, the the second half, 17, 18, 18, because of the two point conversion. Uh, and that that's fair, but also one of those touchdowns was a very short field because of the muff punt. Uh, they had to pick. Uh, and then one of those drives was just one of like the best like single person drives I've ever seen. So. Um, it, it, I, I agree with you. It's at worst to push. Um, but that brings the final question. Uh, who wins the line of scrimmage in this one? That one probably goes to K state on both sides of the ball because offensive line was pretty good. Defensive line was always at least making Duggan think and making Duggan uncomfortable. So I'm going to go with K state. I think that's the right answer because if you look at the stat line, um, you, you would be inclined to say TCU, I think, because averaged almost six yards a carry, but Duggan averaged 7.3 and got most of that on the last drive. I think going through the trends of the game, K-State did probably win that. And also K-State's average is brought down by Will Howard ending with negative uh, three rushing yards despite having a rushing touchdown and the plays he wasn't sacked actually being somewhat successful as running plays, like not anything crazy, but they weren't, they weren't negatives. Um, so I, I, I I'm inclined to say K state as well, which that might be bias. I, I don't really know. I don't care either, honestly, but <laughs> we're not journalists, so it doesn't yeah. really matter that much. Yep. Next up are, Offensive and defensive MVPs. We'll do the same thing we did last week where we can name both offensive and defensive MVPs for ourselves. And I'll, I'll let you, you can go first, sir. Yeah. Offensively, I'm rolling with Deuce Vaughn. Uh, it's hard to really pick somebody else. I think he has had the, the highlight touchdown and stood out more than anybody else, I think. And had one of the more consistent games that he's had in a while. So I I think that he's the clear pick there. Defensively, there's a lot of guys you could go with. I think Austin Moore had a really nice day. Uh, Felix had the sack and a QB hit uh, or a hurry. Um, there, Jacob Parrish stepped up and played really well. Uh, you can even say Damian Olio if you really want to say most valuable. Like yeah. take that literally. Uh, but I'm going to go with Daniel Green uh, because of the um, big time season saving uh, title winning stop he makes. He could not have done it without the uh, uh, the rest of the unit doing their job on that play, like guys like Jake Clifton and whatnot. So if you wanted to be corny, you could say the entire defense because they really this is one of the best full unit days. I think that they've had all season where they really did play as one, I think, better than any game that they've played all year. Uh, And there wasn't as much of a standout for that reason. But I'm going to say Daniel Green. He led the team in tackles and had the massive stop at the end. So he's probably the safest pick, I think, for MVP. Yeah. 
Yeah, our our MVPs match. It I had both deuces as the the MVPs as well. I was tempted to give it to Will, but at the same time, I, if you look at Deuce's performance, like just both of them had amazing performances, and I feel like Deuce Green was the difference between a performance similar to what we had against TCU the first time and this one. Yeah, yeah, hard to go against the two Deuces uh, in this one. Um, guys that we expected to really lead the team going into the season, and they uh, end the season on very, very high notes for both of them. So, huge shout out to both of those guys. Yep. Now we can go into the takeaways, and the first and most important takeaway is we are champions. <laughs> I think that's a great takeaway, I and mean, we could probably send it there. But <laughs> yeah, we could, we could do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a what a great feeling it's going to be to uh, pull up to the bill next year. Uh, for the first home game against whoever it is that we're facing. Uh, and uh, they're going to unveil the uh, new um, Big 12 champions uh, lettering or numbering, I should say, uh, up on the press box, uh, apostrophe 22. So I hope we have that line item in the AD budget. I guess we can just spend our Sugar Bowl money on it. but Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a lot of money for the Sugar Bowl. It's one of the best parts. Um, but yeah. It it's great to feel that you're champions. Uh, great to be champions um, because you get, I mean it's a fantastic recruiting tool. It's a great thing to build on going forward, especially because we're champions, but our season had room to grow, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of an unusual position to be in. I think because uh, you can still like want more uh, while still being champions. So there there's a lot to build on with it as well. Uh, but yeah, as a lifelong fan, there's not a better feeling in the world than having bragging rights for the the next nine or so months, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You got next? Yeah. Now, Will Howard has us in good hands for next year, and that is an understatement, as I, I think this team should feel completely comfortable. I'd imagine going into the season, we were probably going to try and find uh, another transfer QB, maybe, or just gut it out. Uh, at least that's probably what the fan base thought, but fan base opinions have flipped faster than any I've ever seen on Will and for good reason, because sure. uh, he's been fantastic this year. As of now, he's un- uh, undefeated as a starter. He is 3-4-0, I think, mm-hmm. now as a starter uh, uh, this season, and he is probably going to be a good tool to bring in potential receiver transfers, mm-hmm. uh, which it's K-State's not really ever been like a big market for transfer receivers. It's been difficult to get guys to come here, but our offense is at the point where it actually seems enticing for guys like that. So, Will, I'm excited for next year for a full season of Will. I am as well. I I agree with you. There there probably was a, a large contingency of people that were like, okay, if Rubley's not starting next year, we are going to look for a transfer quarterback. And I... I, for the record, I don't think either of us were ever on that point. I think that both of us were perfectly willing to let Will start another year because we've always believed in Will. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where both of us were, yeah. But he's exceeded every single expectation, and not only did he earn the starting job this year, he's almost certainly earned it next year, which I feel like that's a that's a conversation in the offseason to have down the line. But... Sorry, sometimes my 
roommate uses the back door and I hear the footstep and it makes me jump a little bit, but (laughs) (laughs) peek behind the curtain there. (laughs) (laughs) But next up is Keenan Garber is not a bad corner, which I, that really surprised me how even somewhat technically sound he was for playing corner for, you know, exactly two and a half weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Garber, he really held his own. Uh, and I was very surprised by that. Um, we were confused at first. Uh, we thought it was Jairus Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, it was not Jairus Kennedy. It was Keenan Garber. Um, but yeah, he he really did do solid. I I was pleasantly surprised by the quality that Keenan Garber brought uh, at corner, especially after not really practicing there for very long. So good for him. Uh, way, way to step up and be an next man up. That's one of the big storylines of this game is uh, guys stepping up uh, and just taking on the responsibility and making plays. So uh, a, this is a big culture game for Chris Kleiman. I, again, we, we don't like the word, but it, it really is. Like if you I like Kleiman's going to like use this as an example for recruiting pitches, like next guy up, like if you want your opportunity, you're going to have it. Yep. Which that kind of perfectly leads into the next point. Oh, I didn't even read that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> next man up mentality has clearly been taught and taken seriously. I am so sorry for stepping on this talking point. But <laughs> I mean, it's your talking point. I, that hey. is true. Yeah, I, I forgot that was the next one. Uh, but, but yeah, the next man up mentality really showed up in this game. It's kind of an echo of what I just said. But I mean, it's it's nice um, to see a K-State team that doesn't completely collapse. Uh, when it loses its uh, one line uh, of guys like in the past, if we had lost our, our one line, it, that would have been it for, for the team. But um, we, we lost a lot of guys to injury in this game and you guys stepped up and played really well. I mean, Damian Lily on the last snap is perfect example. Uso goes down and Damian, the four string guy, Manhattan, Kansas kid pulls up and makes a phenomenal play uh, So big time shout out to him. Uh, Zentner wasn't even the place kicker at the beginning of the year and has been fantastic since then. Will Howard steps up into the starting position despite struggling the last two years. And I don't know who RJ Garcia steps up, VJ Payne, uh, Jacob Parrish, Keenan Garber. I mean, the list goes on and on with guys that have had to step up and take on significant roles or even starting roles uh, for for this defense. Um, I mean, Jacob Parrish played 64 snaps. Uh, in this game, uh, Jay Clifton played 11, uh, which was really surprising. I mean, their VJ Payne played the most snaps on the team. He played 78 of the 79 available snaps in this game. So guys had to step up and really take on big roles in this one. Keenan Garber played 21 cover, 21 snaps, 19 of them were coverage snaps. And he's been a quarterback for less than three weeks. Like, yeah, I, uh, that is unbelievable. So that, that's a, a Big time shout out to the staff. Yep. Then finally, even even throughout the bowl game, we're currently ranked number nine in the college football playoff rankings, number eleventh in the country in the AP. I, it's it's entirely likely that we finish a top ten school in the nation, regardless of what happens in the bowl game. Yeah, and I think that we should. Um, I don't quite understand Utah jumping as much as they did to the point where they jump over us. I don't love that. I get that they had a big win over USC, but they'd already beaten USC this year. So yeah. I feel like that isn't as big of a surprise as it should have been. 
I don't like them jumping us uh, so much. Uh, I don't like Penn State being uh, in the top 10 in the AP poll uh, and number seven in the coaches poll. I there's I, I take a lot of issue with it. We've reached the point where it is difficult to move up in the poll once you get to like the 12 and higher range because teams are just good and don't lose often. But I, I think that we should be higher in the AP poll. Nine is maybe about right, but I'd honestly even put us ahead of Clemson right now. So I, I, I do think we're being disrespected a little bit in the polls. It is what it is, I guess. We'll just beat Bama and then we'll be top five. It yeah. is what it is. Yep. Which before we before we wrap up, do you have anything else to say about specifically this game? Because we'll do a we'll do a season holistic recap after the bowl game, but Anything about this game in particular? Um, just thank you for sharing a very nice hug with me after we won. That was very, <laughs> that was a very good hug. Thank you for participating in the hug. Yeah, it was very I went around cathartic. and gave everybody a hug after because I was so relieved. That was the I've never felt such a relief in my life because I'm so used to K State breaking my heart in those sort of situations. Like like what a what a moment it was. Like it it's hard to articulate in words just how happy it it made me and probably a lot of other k-state fans to come away with that victory and um i don't know this is you know and go down as one of the most memorable k-state seasons of all time for plenty of reasons but I don't <laughs> not know, always so positive many, but plenty. Yeah, not always positive but without a doubt one of the most memorable seasons for many many reasons and i'm looking forward to next year more than ever now um just yeah, what what a, a great season. First 10 win season since uh uh 2012. First time being ranked in the top 10 since 2014. Uh, a lot of really big superlatives. First title game win since 2003. I mean, there's tons that you could say. I wish I I won't say everything now cuz partly cuz I can't remember any others, but <laughs> <laughs> there's uh it does a, a fantastic year to be a K-State fan. A great weekend to be a K-State fan as well with the yeah. Wichita State victory yesterday. Yeah, and the women beating Houston as well. Was, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a great weekend to be a Wildcat. And, yeah, it, you know, thank you for, for participating in the hug. Thank you for, for coming down to – or coming up to Manhattan. I know you're, you've had a busy time, but – you know, you said it yourself. You you weren't exactly going to get much studying done with the game anyway. Yeah, I, I was trying to be realistic with myself. I was like, am I really going to study during the Big 12 title? No, I'm not. Like, so I might as well go be with some other stressed people during it. So just not have a life for the next two weeks. It is what it is. Yeah. And uh, thank you for as well as uh, participating in the, the victory shots afterwards. Of course, nothing, nothing I would enjoy more than a, a nice victory shot, but it's actually yeah. very good as well. The- it was actually really good. It was really good. But um, yeah, what a what a performance. Uh, it was really cool going to the basketball game as well. My first live action Tang basketball game. Uh, really cool seeing the team there as you well. This post dunk nap time in person. We, oh, yeah, that was so much fun. But um, and then also shout out to a lot of players being up on the concourse after the uh, saw uh uh felix deuce uh saw zentner um saw kt uh saw will uh, a huggy few other guys uh who else you said huggy huggy oh, was yeah huggy, with, huggy, with huggy, huggy like walked right past me i forget about that but <laughs> yeah uh shout out to all the guys i saw uh out there in the concourse i mean 
Well, that's that's pretty cool. They took the time to do that after winning the Big Twelve. I mean, you know, they. I, I can't imagine that that was like at the front of their minds after winning the Big Twelve conference, like on the flight back. Like, yeah, I can't wait to like go yeah. hang out like at a basketball game for a bit. Like, well, that was the last thing on their minds, and you know why? <laughs> yes, I do, and I, I'm not elaborating. Nope. And they, but but they did it anyways. Uh, so that was that was really cool. Um, but yeah, could not have happened to a better bunch of football players than the KSA Wildcats. Yep. I agree. And thanks to everyone who's listened to all these these preview episodes and we've been happy to do them. But for now, or I guess recap episodes as well. But for now, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow or contact the show, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and Cats. We'll be doing an Ask the Alley Cats segment for our next episode. So please be sure to submit any questions. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdwards00. I'm at Connor Baltasor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.